0: Turn turn
1: to turn 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 to turn 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 to and welcome back. I'm Mike with the turntable teachers, and class is officially back in session. And we are back with another guest speaker episode, and I'm very excited to have our next guest in the series. We got DK coming in from Western Massachusetts, joining us today. And DK, thanks for
2: joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, this has been like a few months in the making for us. I haven't wanted to get on the show for now. I think three months. So I'm very, very happy to be a part of this. I really like the. The concept i feel like it's a little bit different than other podcasts especially in the pandemic you got this sort of the zoom feel so it's really cool and i'm very happy to be here oh thanks man i appreciate that yeah i mean we like i was telling you a little off air, you know we're trying to trying
1: to optimize the uh the zoom podcast as best we can until we can start to have people in person so well which, yeah. which we're a little, little little ways away from that hopefully but hopefully very soon and uh but yeah this this works out just as good and or, or almost as good i would say yeah, but uh, yeah, but it's been great to have you, man. I mean, like I said, you've uh, you've been hitting us up for a little while. We've been going back and forth, and uh, really getting to know you, getting to know your music. Got a lot to talk about today. You got a brand new single that just dropped. You had an album that came out on the back end of twenty uh, twenty. And you've you know been doing a lot of executive producing. There's just just a ton to talk about. You're a teacher as well, so yeah, uh, definitely definitely a, a huge palette, a big variety of things to discuss today. But the first thing yeah. I wanted to kind of you know talk to you about and ask you about was just kind of your history with music and hip hop specifically. Um, I, I know you you kind of tend to blend a couple of different genres. You definitely get into some soul and, uh, and even some neo soul and things like that. Uh, trap music and things like that. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what drew you into the genre? What kind of made you start, you know, making music? What was kind of like the driving force uh, for you, yeah, you know, kickstarting your career?
2: Uh, as far as – so music's always been a part of my life. I mean, my father's a musician, so he's been my number one inspiration ever since I was born. You know, seeing your dad on stage, you want to be just like him, and that's kind of the guy I want to be like um, at all times. The, the hip-hop thing really didn't start for me until – like 16, 17, because I actually grew up on like metalcore and heavy metal type music. So that sort of music didn't come around until I started hanging out with my college roommates who were my high school good friends. um, And I'm still like best friends with them now. One of them is actually my manager. Um, So, you know, they kind of got me into the hip hop and things like that. When I went to school for freshman year, I went to Towson University. I actually tried out for a... A metal band as a front man at like 17 because i was late birthday and they wanted me to like join and they sort of you know right away loved me after like 25 people and all this other stuff but i saw sort of the metalcore scene fading out or you know not becoming what it was you know it, it was really a big thing back in the early 2010s, late 2008, 2000s kind of thing. But it really wasn't going to prosper back in 2014 as much as I thought. So I just kind of took a step back. And then um, a friend of mine, Recreation and a few others, uh, Mike Bell and E Man The Heartbreak, they found me at a party and they sort of told me, hey, you should sing. And then time went on. I moved around a lot of places, uh, transferred home. And then when I got to UMass, uh, I started making beats from like 19 to 20, and then I dropped my first song four years ago, around this time exactly. So I've been doing it straight for four years now.
1: That's great. That's an interesting uh, you know, transition from metalcore all the way to to now kind of what you do now with the hip hop. And uh, no, it's, it's a really interesting story and in background. And I mean, I see the guitars in the background, so it's pretty clear that you have uh, definitely a musician's. Background for sure, and yeah, uh, that's awesome. Do you do you play like often as a Yeah, so like
2: I, I play guitar, bass, ukulele, keyboard, um, and basically, I and you know, it's one of those things where it, it, you can pick up any instrument and sort of feel the rhythm and and know the chords and feel like what it can do. You know, keyboards I kind of only learned when I was making beats. I can right. probably play keys now. I played I played keys once at a concert in Amherst, but I I really just Guitar and bass are my main things, but I can sort of take any instrument and play it besides, like, real drums because that's a whole different sector of music that requires your legs and other parts of rhythm that I really can't grasp at the moment, which I'd love to learn, but now that I produce and do all these things, it's, like, better to be good at a bunch of things than, like, super good at one, especially Definitely. me trying to be an artist. Like, it's it's just all these different things. But, yeah, I play, and I've been playing since I was, like, 11 12 years old wow, so about that's great. 12 years now and how so playing
1: instruments is that was that kind of the driving force into the production side of it like did that come first or was it more yeah, like i want to be an artist yeah
2: like i i saw like people around me were using youtube beats and i don't have any i do have quarrels with youtube beats I'll, i won't lie here but i was like what was all these years of music teaching and watching my father and sort of being a part of my musical family and having the only thing that I was ever decent at in life was being music, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So why was I going to spend all this money on an exclusive beat and then not get money instead of try to do it myself? You know, I'm not opposed to outside production, but I'd rather have it in-house with people that I rock with or people that I develop relationships with or anything of co-production, you know. They'll send me loops, I'll make drums or vice versa, or I'll add guitar solos on beats and things like that. So I try to keep everything really in-house and really together for it. I like that, and like the uh, like just the
1: originality, the authenticity of that too. Because I mean, yeah, again, like you said, there's nothing necessarily wrong with taking YouTube beats, but if you can make it yourself, then like you know, cut out the middle, man. You know what I mean? Just just yeah. do it yourself. You know, I'm definitely a do-it-yourself guy for sure. You know, uh, with everything that I do with the podcast and things like that. So I totally can understand that. Uh, yeah, that aspect of it.
2: Yeah, I just try to be cost efficient and just like try to keep everything in house and show my versatility and all that. Awesome. Yeah, we'll love to get into some of the uh, the
1: albums that you've produced. I will get into that just in just a little bit, but I definitely want to talk about your latest project, Anomaly, which dropped late 2020. Was it October? Right? October? It was November 17th. November. November. Exactly. Okay. All right. So I knew it was like somewhere in like the fall late fall range but yeah uh, yeah so again so congratulations it's an awesome body of work I definitely enjoyed it uh, definitely you. a lot more soulful than I think I had expected it and and you can totally sing man you hold a note I mean you could definitely have a nice ear for mel- uh, melodies and things like that I was just kind of again uh want you to describe a little bit about like how you crafted the sound of this project what was maybe the inspiration
2: behind it so to sum it up um, I was basically like during this entire Probably from when I had started making music back in like late 2016, early 2017, putting out stuff to probably right when I got home in the pandemic, I would say probably like April, May of 2020, I was really not in a good headspace. I had been through a lot of stuff, um, just, and we can get into it more in the interview to explain, but essentially what Anomaly was, was I was at my friend's fire and I, you know, they were thinking of names for stuff, and they were like, DK, you know, you're you're really like an anomaly. Like, nobody is like you at all. And I was like, because uh, my good friend Goose and his girlfriend Katrina, K- Katrina, his girlfriend said that. And I was like, you know what, you're right. So I went home, and my um, good friend Sandman sent me a three-pack, and the anomaly beat was on there. And I was just like, all right, you know, I've never really rapped before. But I can't, the thing is, is singing is my number one regardless, right? And, like, I wouldn't necessarily call myself hip-hop more so than I call myself R&B. But at the same time, I don't know, nobody really knows my genre. I don't know my genre. Like, I just go. You know what I mean? Like, if there's a song in front of me, I'll go. Um, But that, you know, I kind of just talked my talk on that and, you know, no pun intended. And I made the song and it was the first song on there. And I was like, all right, you know. I really just analyzed my data from all the past work I've done and what works and what doesn't. And I was like, all right, I'm really good at concepts. Let's make a concept album. So I wrote the story of anomaly as if it was to be performed as a musical. So the album itself is a musical. Um, And if you look at the very last part of the song, uh, the eighth song, Distance. If you hear the very last thing, I'm off of the airport, I'm leaving, and it's uh, twelve semitones or an octave down of anomaly at the very end of the eighth song. So if you loop the album, you're looping it, and you can go back in and see it. But it's also metaphorically looping back the story of the same repetitive nonsense that I had gone, oh, ov- you know, dealt with over the past four years between jobs, friendships, and relationships, and everything in between. So that was like the whole story of uh, of Anomaly, sort of making it my own, but also just trying to to do that. And there was, we've had talks about actually like doing an Anomaly, the musical and things like that, just with COVID. I got COVID back in like late December and everything of that. And then people forget quickly. You got to just push out more content. So that's the decision I made. But in the future, when shows come back, I'd love to be able to perform that because it's small enough of a of an album where you can perform it in like a 23 minute set and you can be good right. to go. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the first music
1: that I had heard from you. You actually, that's like the first project you had sent of my, uh, of yours to me. And I got just a feel for you. And uh, again, I just loved, I think your personality came out so much in that album, you know, just the eccentric nature of it. And yeah. you're, you're definitely, you're, I definitely can tell you're, you're a performative guy. Like I feel like you would be someone that on stage would be very engaging to go watch at a, at a performance. And uh, I think the music video Anomaly uh, for sure is is a good representation of that. So we're going to take a, a quick break here, a, a quick word from one of our local sponsors, and then you're going to uh, watch a clip of Anomaly from DK. If you're a content creator like me, you know you're a perfectionist, especially when working with audio. You want it to be as crisp, clean, and really clear sounding as possible. And if you're an artist looking for a quality sound engineer, you have to check out Mixed by Hex. Hex is a South Shore, Massachusetts artist, producer, and reputable sound engineer, and also the host of our mini-series, Mixing Tips with Hex. Handing your song off to someone can be a scary process, but at Mixed by Hex, they offer multiple pricing plans, all with a specific number of free revisions. That way, you never have to worry about losing your say in the final product. And right now, Mix by Hex is offering a free sample mix. That's right, you can hear your first mix of your track before even paying a dime. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to www.mixbyhex.com to get your free sample mix and check out their pricing options and make sure you reference us the turntable teachers in your inquiry now let's get back to the show
0: i'm off the deep end My head, put on my clothes, then I'm out I do the work and get my money, but my name's in your mouth I sing and rap and make the pizza, I'm the best one around But I'm not gonna cry and look like I'm just feeling for clout Yeah, I've seen so many people try to copy, it, they don't get me They try to run off with my lyrics, thinking I don't see it. Yeah, yeah, I do You're scheming, but your boys say that I'm reaching I'm sick and tired of people, so I'm about to break the ceiling When it's back to you Crying in the bathroom Where's my money? You just took it and made it back to But I don't wanna be sad or mad Just want the world to know my name Stay persistent and wait Yeah, I'm an anomaly You can't copy me
1: And that was Anomaly by DK and I definitely love that, uh, that video. It's just, it's again, it's very quirky and eccentric, like I said. And I definitely got a lot of praise. I loved the video you did where uh, people were commenting on uh, on the video. Yeah. That was, that was pretty funny. So if anyone wants to check that out, he, he basically, uh, man's got, got a little uh, humor for himself as well. You know, can, can, can take a joke at himself. I liked that. I, I really appreciate that from you as an artist, for sure. Kind of playing into the, playing into the role and things like that.
2: I'm a big, bald dude that put a wig on and was multiple different characters like i'm aware of, i'm i'm self aware you know so as
1: you no know, and that's good it, it's helpful as an artist for sure to you know be aware of yourself but also yeah and make jokes and things like that i really really enjoy that yeah. that aspect of your of yourself and of you as an artist. And again, Anomaly, like I said, it definitely was stripped back, very R&B, but also at the same time had some more pop eccentric songs. And then your newest track uh, that's actually just came out, Reality, which I am a huge fan of. I think it's your best song that I've heard of yours for sure. I definitely want you to break down that song because it's it's profound. It's, it's, I think it's really one of your biggest statements of your career. I mean, maybe I'm being a little too uh you know maybe i'm exaggerating that just a little bit but uh explain to me a little bit the you know the story behind this song and and just the emotion that went into it
2: so i was actually you know every time i do an album i get in this position where it's like okay what's next and a lot of the times i can post you know i can do singles and, and and drop singles but the reality of it is and that's the song of reality. It's, it's that, that doesn't work for me, really, unless I have a music video or something to convey an emotion behind it. You know, my EPs will do phenomenally, and my albums will do phenomenally, and my singles won't. And I don't know if that's because of the promotion or because they just like my concepts or whatever, but that's not the thing. So I was actually downstairs in my basement— And my boy U.V. sent me uh, guitar loops. And U.V. I've worked with his production. You know, I produce for other people, me and U.V. have. But me and U.V. never had our own song that I was comfortable enough to put out. And a big thing that I tell a lot of my friends, and especially a lot of the people that come through here from Western Mass as far as, you know, artists, you know, actually in the studio or wherever, is so I'm like, you have to be able to dig deep and dig to a point that's very uncomfortable in order to really feel your emotions. And I would tell everybody that. And then I was like, mm, I don't know if I've actually done that myself. So the the song is essentially telling the story about how when I was younger, I made a mistake that cost, you know, that caused me to sort of be ostracized from where i lived and it was very tough um and it was just a silly mistake that got taken too far too out of context that you know affected me
0: i go through my days asking myself how do i do it i got friends in my circle then they really been through it and i got others who don't even know what time i'll be on they worried about my dream well where the hell is yours i've had a life of privilege and yeah that is a fact but don't mistake that meaning that i've had it so easy there's a lot of I used to be afraid to show it, so take it back and see for everyone so y'all could notice, when I was 12 I had 7 cops at my front door, I locked up mugshot, front page on the news, that's when all my trauma started, yeah it damaged my youth, I spent my childhood crying and tying belts in the news, for a decade of therapy, but the hell kept coming, my immature insecurity, yeah they were abundant, I had to see it firsthand, I was so sad and disgusted, my
2: trauma of, you know, suicide attempts and things like that, you know, escalated in the future with seeing, you know, good friends and even loved ones, girlfriends and other people, you know, family members be in this position where they want to die, you know. And I'm happy that I've gotten myself in a position that... I can be a not necessary I can be away from that like I can see it it affects me greatly and it's caused you know there's been times where I have panic attacks and things like that and bad flashbacks but I'm never at the point where I want to get to the level of where I don't want to live on the earth anymore because I've seen so much at such a young age where a lot of the times where people go through these you know You know, the worst of mental health times In my opinion, I think is in the 20s, where I'm at now Where I dealt with this stuff At 10, 11, 12, 13 At a very, very young age And mind you, I Felt immature And I feel like immature You know, back When I started music, like I I just felt like I was always like a little behind as far As maturity goes, and that's just life Um, But yeah, that that was something that i was just like will it ever end you know people just use me i'm in this position where people use me because i'm the guy that i'm the success story you know when i was 12 years old when i when i said those you know when i was 12 i had seven cops at my front door locked up monk shot front page on the news like at that time i'm 24 12 years ago if I would have said I would have been on my eighth interview in like the Anomaly press run, you know, of all these things that you've done and you've played all, 12 year old me would have been like, no, you would have been dead. So like that was something that it was like, you know, something I never spoke about really, you know, I've always mentioned other people or mentioned it like slyly in lyrics, but I never out, you know, upfront mentioned something. And so for me, this is something like, look, You, you know, after reality, you're going to get the Anomaly eccentric la 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 funny DK back. Like, you'll get him back. I'm going to be there because that worked for me. Like, the Anomaly album brought me a lot of success, and that sort of videos will continue to happen. But for me, reality is like that one single that I can drop that it's like, boom, done. You know, this is me. And if you want to ride with me now, like, this is what you got to, this is how you have to see me. Like, you got to know that everything I do is a part of the DK, you know, act, you know, it's me, but it's, it's an entertainment business and I'm an entertainer. So this is, that's the best way I think I can describe it. It's like, here's my statement. You know, I know now in my head that I'm going to make it. And I told myself that every day. And this is all the stuff I've been through to get to the point where I'm at now. So first, I just want to
1: commend you, but also thank you for the transparency and explaining that. And to our listeners, your your fans, of course, that are tuning into this episode, I think that is really going to bode well for you in the future, just, just that way to give people kind of a different side of you and know like, hey, you know, he's not just this entertainer, this goofy dude, but this goofy ball dude behind the camera, yeah. and, you know, makes all the, you know, the r&b pop tracks like you actually can get very deep in you know even again it was i thought it was inspirational i thought there was a lot you know of emotion packed behind it you can hear it in your voice i can hear it in your delivery no question does is is there a sense for you like is there almost a relief now that this is out or are you a little are you apprehensive that this is out like are like or do you care what people think or is it more or less like a relief that thank god that I actually can have this to, for people to consume and, like, I don't have to, like, hide behind this facade or I can at least, you know, accept this part of my myself and kind of move forward.
2: I'll be honest, like, once this is out, I probably won't listen to it, listen to it again unless it is to, like, rehearse, to remind lyrics of myself for, like, for shows, which, like, deep down I know this is probably going to be, like, the biggest song for me, I think, just because the story I'm telling and, like, There's a lot of people that are friends with me but it may not necessarily bump my music on the regular, but now they may because, like, they may be bumping this song in particular. I know that. Like, I'm not, you know, saying, you know, it's like, like I said, when I said that line, when the bass drops and I say that line and, you know, I'm in the video, you know, watching myself, because in the video I'm watching my own self on the news, and i'm telling the news about myself so there's 3 of me in one video like i'm aware at that point that like that's going to be something for people but i probably won't listen to it and also i listen to my own music probably 200 300 times before i drop it that's when i know i need to drop it but after that i'm sick of my own stuff so i don't like bump i don't bump me like i'm always like on the next thing of what i can do And I'll bump myself from time to time being like, okay, I wish I did this mix, this different or whatever, but I don't really listen to my music post-release. And Mm -hmm. this one, especially, because it's just going to make me cringe, but I know I'm going to have to speak about it too. Yeah. No, I mean, again,
1: now that it's out there, you know, there, I think, you know, obviously you're going to have questions surrounding it. And, uh, but at the same time though, it's guess, again, like I said, it might be uh, something that is. It's almost therapeutic for you in a way because I feel like a lot of people with their art and specifically artists that are mu- like musicians. I mean, they they put a lot of their trauma, their pain into music. It's just what just what we do as human beings, right? Uh, yeah. But I, I find it interesting that you say that too because I I don't listen really listen to my podcast once they're out either, only because. You know, even if I'm not even the one editing them, I because whether it's my I split editing duties, like I produce some of the episodes, but our producer Sam produces some of them as well. We kind of, you know, we, we split there. And for me, though, it's like especially an episode I'm working on you know specifically like editing i i i'm I'm, by the end of it i'm sick of my own voice i'm i've I've memorized where certain segments are in the episode and i don't want to hear it again you know what i mean so i totally understand that it's it's and then same with me just on to the next thing so i can totally relate on on that level of like okay what's the the next thing but then again there's something to be said for that like sitting with, you know, whatever you're working on and just trying to enjoy that moment, enjoy that episode, enjoy that song, whatever it is. Right. So and anyway, yeah. I think more of a balance there that that's definitely necessary. But anyway, man, I love the track. I think it's really, really great. And, uh, you know, definitely big shout out to you for like having the courage to really kind of put that out there to, to the masses and, um, and really kind of be, like I said, as vulnerable as you are on this. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that people are in your fans or friends, family, whoever it is, are able to see kind of a different side of you. And and it, it definitely was a different side for me. It definitely it threw me for, for a curveball. And you even said that when you sent the song, you were like, this is going to be different. Like it's going to be something a little eye opening. And I was just like,
2: OK, but and- but I, but I got to do that. I can't just be like. Yeah. Joking like all the time, like I want to be, like I want to have fun, I want to do that, and that will probably be a lot of it. But like, I have to talk about some things like that before I can just like, mo- you know, after anomaly, it was like, okay, like DK, like you're getting serious here. Like this isn't just like some hobby you've been working at. Like this is could this could you know you could really make this something. So when I knew that, it was like I gotta address things about my past before anybody else does and That's nip it true. in the bud. You know, so that's what I did here. Perfect. No, I love that,
1: and I guess, like I said, I think it's going to bode well for you in the future, doing that and doing it early on. And, but uh, yeah, again, so uh, very much uh, appreciative of of your again your transparency in your own music, and uh, I think your fans, like I said, will appreciate that as well. Uh, Something that I think for you is very unique as well as you've done, you've executive produced a lot of albums as well. And you've definitely worked with many artists in the Western Mass area specifically. So talk to me a little bit about the albums you've worked on and artists you've worked with and maybe like your favorite moment or favorite time of or project maybe that you've worked on that you're like, you're very proud to say that you worked on it.
2: So, that's a great question. So, I have been making beats now since 2017, or 2016 is when I started making beats, and then 2017, I put it out. But I really say four years, because I mark it from like when the time I put out music. Um, But back in 2018 to 2019, I executively produced uh my good friend's Cam uh Cam Reynolds album that charted on the iTunes hip hop chart at like 178 out of 200 which for oh. somebody out of western mass that's great you know it's yeah, not especially in hip hop um but as of recent I've produced and worked uh with pretty much everybody that's been grinding in the western mass scene one way or the other um except probably like a handful of people, but I've really at this point produced for everyone because for the longest time, there really wasn't a lot of producers. I kind of came into the scene where people were just about to start doing music, but the people that are like actually pushing and doing music now, four years later, weren't really around four years ago. You know, even guys like Phoenix, for instance, like I met Phoenix three years ago and Phoenix was, you know, just hanging around and stuff like that i didn't even know he rapped and then when i heard he rapped it's like okay cool more people like that are dope are doing shit uh around here but specifically right now the two guys that i've been like really working with are kudo and lil step kudo was uh one third of a group called lagoon that broke up earlier in 2020 um and he went solo and i produced two, uh, four and five off his big first EP and mixed the entire project. And then another person that I worked with is, uh, very, and again, I've produced for a bunch of people. Like I really can't sort of go on and on cause I really don't even remember at this point. Um, but I produced exactly produced uh little steps album and I produced cope. I produced four, five, and seven. And, The structure of the album and everything like that was, you know, my, you know, the idea of relativity was based off a 1953 M.S. Eicher painting that I um, remembered from back in the day in history class and sort of the whole structure of the album was sort of where I came from and sort of took everything that I've learned over the years, especially with Anomaly. And I was like, all right, you know, this is your debut album. You need to make it short. You need to make it with different emotions um, and have it sort of tell a story in and of itself. Um, So those are the people I've been working with. And my manager, Ian is managing Kudo and Step and me. So it's been dope and they come here to record and everything like that. So. That's awesome that you guys have kind of your own team in a sense of, of people that you can kind of rely on and, and help out and, and really collaborate and do different things with. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and there's more people too, that are just doing hard work that I'm going to be. Producing for guys like B-Rob and Desmond and uh, Ish Akinor, who is doing crazy things right now, is in Gary V's playlist, has been in the Spotify Arab X playlist. And I got um, two out of the four on his EP that's coming out on Valentine's Day um, as well. So that could be a big thing for me. I have a possible, as far as I'm told... Uh, upcoming placement with this kid uh, who's in all of the Spotify New Music Friday. His artist just hit like one million on Spotify in four months. Um, so that he executively produced an A&R's for and everything like that and like sort of his team. So I think, you know, on a production side, it's, it's doing really well for me. Um, even though that's not like my main priority, it's just something that has worked out. That's
1: great. No, and I was got actually, that was one of my questions, but you kind of already answered it. Like in terms of like, you, do you see yourself as an artist first, then producer, then engineer? Or is there, or is there like,
2: what is the kind of the hierarchy for you? Since you kind of, for, like, for me, it's yeah. artist first. Like I love on the, I'm, I'm in my opinion, I'm too much of a performative guy. Like you said, I got too much energy on stage. And I feel like as far as like a live singer, like I can really go, like I have a really, really deep, powerful voice. And a good range that I can really go and perform. And I've been performing for years now and where more people have practice, I have more practice on stage than a lot of other people because of the things that I've done, musicals, covers at UMass to make money for years and years and then shows. Um, But yeah, artists is the number one thing. However, producing, you know, gets my name out there and engineering makes me money. So that's where I sort of see it. You know, I don't charge my guys you know anybody who comes in I don't really charge much and I really don't charge much for beats except distro kid splits because at the end of the day it's like there's a lot of producers out there that charge a hundred you know for a lease or two five hundred for an exclusive that's fine and all but people really don't have that money but what if you had 20 distro kid splits with 25 percent 50 percent songs on there and they each get a thousand plays like that's however much a month coming to your bank account I can make a beat in 10 minutes honestly like I made bad guy in 17 minutes like I counted like I made the whole beat in 17 minutes mixed master and everything so what's that like really like that much time no like I'm not gonna do that I'm gonna be choosy of who I work with yes but I'm not gonna like charge up the ass for it because I want to be the number one artist on the planet and that in my head I try to be that every day you know that's not me being cocky it's just the mentality that I try to go at with my work ethic absolutely I mean that's it, it's a mentality that I, I think you I think
1: it's it's a slippery slope because you have to have that mentality like that's something that's definitely you you, you need to be you know confident in yourself and understand that but again it's like it's that that sort of balance between that and also the humble aspect of it. But I think you have, you do have a nice mix of the both. from what I'm sounding, what you've talked about today, it really seems as though, you know, again, you're self-aware you understand of where you're at, where your strengths are, what are some things that you may need to work on, but then also, you know, of course you you understand, you know, how you sort of got kind of understanding how this industry sort of works from a, from a business perspective, as well. And I think that that's, you know that's again the the toughest part i think for artists and at least just what i've seen is again even for me too just as i've sort of navigated it myself too i think the business side of music is it, it's tricky man it's it, it can be it can be cutthroat it can definitely be something that uh isn't for everybody unfortunately you know so yeah. it's all about what what kind of attitude and mentality you're going to bring into into the fold you know so yeah definitely yeah I mean, so you you mentioned that you uh, used to be in musicals. Is is that like a, was that like a high school thing? Were you in musicals in college, or were you something that you kind of just were, like just kind of finding roles to to be in theater?
2: So I always like love singing, and like I'm I'm like six four, two sixty. Right, I look like I should be a defensive end. My <laughs> grandfather. Uh, started all three years until he got a knee injury in his senior year at Clemson. So oh, wow. you know that right there should have athleticism in my blood. But reality is, is that it's just not the case. I'm a clumsy. I'm a clumsy dude, and I'm not athletic, and I'm not really good at anything other than that. So musicals was like the thing to do because I was always singing and had a good voice. Um, I started singing in Novacore. Shout out uh, Miss Deb Sally. Um, if you're ever watching this, but she got she heard me and I was the first freshman guy ever in Nova course, which is the honors course there. And they threw me in musicals. So they threw me in um, Seussical the musical I was in and I played uh, Mr. Mayor. I was I was five, eight and about the same weight I am now playing in a yellow costume, with like blue makeup on my face and everything <laughs> like that. So, and that will probably be, that will probably become a character eventually in a music video. I don't know for oh, what, but it will be. It um, to
1: be at this point. yeah.
2: I, I have so many, I have so many different characters that like, and so many pictures of me that like, I can literally just like just plan it out if I really wanted to. But anyways, <laughs> the, the musical aspect uh, and the sort of the district choirs, the way I did like Western mass and then I was going to go to States and things like that. But I love doing it. But it wasn't my passion, and I also loved, like, I did musicals in high school, and then in college, I played covers at all the bars. So I played oh, wow. covers at Monkey Bar, and I played covers at The Spoke, um, and I played covers at Springfest and things like that. But again, musicals, covers, all those things, like, leading up and, like, teaching myself how to sing and, you know, cha- range and scales and falsetto, especially in a, in a genre like I do. Um I learned all that from, you know, the prior stuff, but that wasn't my passion. The passion is what I'm doing today. And I've gotten to this point to be able to do it.
1: That's fantastic, man. And like, well, everything kind of, you know, happens that way too. I mean, even for me specifically, like I, in high school, did a lot of film and uh, film production and editing and things like that. And that's like, that was a passion of mine in high school. And it's something that I really wanted to pursue And then just just circumstantially, like with my situation at home, like I needed to do something a little that was a little more stable. So I chose teaching. And I mean, I love teaching for sure. But it's 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 a great thing for me. And and I thoroughly enjoy it. It's it's very rewarding. And it has its has its perks, no doubt about it. But yeah, no, I definitely am. Like I said, the the film editing and the podcast, like this is this is my passion. This is this thing is my baby. So I totally understand like that. You know, but again, that's it, kind my, my point of this like little soliloquy here is, you know, that I think those things that you know innately happen for a reason when you're a little younger, and if you kind of continue on that path, it can lead you down a place you. would Maybe didn't think you you would go, but now it's almost at the, on the flip side of that. It's like maybe I don't see myself doing anything else, you know? Yeah,
2: so. and I don't really see myself doing anything else, and that's how I have to go. You know, you look at all the greats, and it's like, yeah, there was nothing else; it was only music. Like that's how I operate, and I sometimes have regrets about not doing music, like at a younger age. Like mm-hmm. I wish I was making beats and doing stuff at like sixteen, seventeen, uh, and doing that. But at the same time, I look back and I'm like, you wouldn't have known the people you wouldn't have known if you didn't, right. you know be a great networker but make shitty music and now you know you're at a point where you're making good music and things like that so i would have never have gotten it without the life experiences i guess
1: yeah no it's it's totally totally important to, to have those and i also wanted to talk a little bit about too like just with kudo and lil step i almost feel like I, so i listen to both projects and i never would have expected that you would be producing them weirdly enough just because it's so kind of different from the music you do so is it is how how is that for you to like to to is it easy for you to just kind of switch on and off depending upon the different genre or uh talk to me a little bit about kind of craft did you kind of just make the beats and then they fit them or were you trying to make the the production and fit those two specific artists
2: so every time that i like try to work with an artist i try to make them sound different than anybody else on the radio anybody else ever, period. Um, and Kudo's new project that's going to come out, there's some wild production from me, I'll say, that, you know, um, t- to make him sound different. But when I come in the studio, I sort of just, like, make a beat, you know, and, I, and I'm like, all right, I'm making a beat. I don't catch a melody quick, I'm out. Like, when I was making reality and I was producing the beat and I had made the beat, had the melody immediately. That's when I know okay, this is going to be a hit when it's right, when it comes right to me. If I make a great beat and something doesn't come to me there, I'll just put on auto-tune and mumble and go from there and see if I can make a song out of it. But sometimes, you know, I'll do that and then the song sucks and then I'll just take my vocals off and be like, look, this is a hot beat, hop on it. Um, But I'll give two examples. So uh, there was one beat that I had on 24 Carats, which that beat was just nuts I had never made anything like that before I was like I don't know what anyone is going to do on this it was sort of like a west coast inspired beat but had like all these breaks and stuff into it and I can't sometimes like I sometimes I'll just be in the studio just like locked in and I don't even know what I'm doing so like everybody will be like what did you do here and I'm like I don't know but uh when Kudo came in he's like I think I got something like Kudo just writes like he'll come in on this mic and just talk and then magic happens. It's ridiculous. Um, It probably comes to the fact that he's been doing this even longer than me. He's like 22, but he's been doing this longer than me. But he just goes in full material and just goes. And like the way, you know, he inspires me with the way he talks about his lyrics. It's just of crazy. But he just came in and did this song and I heard it and I was just like, yo, this is wild. And I was like, you need to film a snippet of this right now and come in there. And it was a hit and a lot of people really attached to kudos you know ep and a lot of people didn't know kudo was a part of lagoon which lagoon had a pretty successful run for how short of a time they were in so that was pretty cool to like be a part of that now on the aspect of step now Kudo's different because he has a very unique tone right nobody sounds like him um and a lot of people say i sound like melly or something like that but i think it's just a deep voice but we have very distinct tones. On the other hand, you have Step. So Step, you can kind of hear in the way he sings to be like, okay, he sounds similar to ABC. And the way his, you know, he's very suave and has a very cool, smooth type of thing. But in my head, I'm just like, okay, what's a way that we can get him to stand out and have a different sound of like an, another echelon of that kind of music and just bring something totally unique now the example I'll do for that is Road now I didn't produce Road uh, Road was produced by a good friend of mine Misty he sent me the beat so I was gonna go on it but I was like mm, step come in and we were at the studio called Paper City Studios I don't know if um, Joe, uh, Phoenix has ever talked to you about yes, that yes he has yep he has so we were, at I was recording on this nineteen hundred dollar mic that we had, and I was like, you know, sing this, come in, and then he was like singing ad libs, and it sounded, it sounded really good. And I was like, what if we put this effect, and I put this like tremolo effect on his voice that made his vocal sound like he was going in and out of the speakers. And that was like the road and do what I want with Kudo are the two biggest songs on there. And I'm actually, my voice is the tremolo on the fifth song. So my voice is actually on the, so I'm singing on the beat. So I'm sampled myself and things like that. So just adding like things that nobody around my area really, I feel does. I try to incorporate and just make a completely new sound um, with every artist that I do, you know, wherever they come in, that's what I really try to do. So that's how I I sort of got into that. Um, and that's what I'm going to try to continue doing for me. It's like, if I know a beat's not good for me, I'm going to give it to somebody else at this point. Like I, I know as much as I want to be the top artist. like at the end of the day, like my production is there. So it's one of those things where it's like, and I feel like my artistry is there now, but my production was a little more, but you can make more beats and you can make more songs. I can sit at a, I was sitting at a desk job in Atlanta when I lived there making eight beats a day. Obviously I can do that more than recording eight times a day. You know what I mean? So because sure. of the situation I was in, I just gained more knowledge of the production, but yeah. So that's how I sort of yeah. go about it. That's awesome. And no, I, I the little step relativity project, I,
1: and again, it's not really even my cup of tea in terms of like that kind of music, but I even found songs that I really liked on that thing. Specifically, I really liked Nobody Like Me with Brizzy the Savage. That yeah, was a, that that was a song playlist was great. for us. That That's my awesome. favorite
2: mix too, because like if you hear it, it's like you, you hear Step sing and he's like, I need somebody like you. And then you hear almost like his ad libs, Brizzy and his ad libs are backwards. Mm-hmm. So they were here in this studio actually. And I kind of walk them through – you know, when I have have somebody here and they're recording, I don't like sitting there and just be like, yeah, do another take, do another take, and hear them struggling. I don't like that. So it's like if you're going to come to my studio, I'm not going to charge you much, and you're going to come out with the best product possible. That's the goal every time, right? So I'm just like – okay, you, you need to sing here. And I've been classically trained in singing since I was 10. So it's like, I can help them hit notes that they think they're not hitting or help, you know, harmonies. Like when you sing a harmony, you're singing the same note. People don't realize that that nice harmony on the juice of that sort of the low and the high octave it sounds great, but no one may know. And I was telling Brizzy, I was like, you need to sing like this, you know, um, step, you need to do the same thing here. And then that's how the song sort of came together and was sort of different. So that's, that's what I found with that and can I want to continue doing that especially in 2021 with more artists that are coming to work with me too absolutely I I think this is a good time to
1: transition a little bit because or a good segue I should say because I think that for like so of course you are a teacher and by by day right now and so again, I just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like some of, are there any similarities? Do you see any similarities between like, sort of, I guess the mentorship role in a sense you've taken on with some of the artists that you've worked with, like Step and Kudo. Do you kind of see any similarities between teaching and sort of the the mentorship that it takes to work with artists, executive produce their projects and things of that nature?
2: I see a lot of things. The only thing that is really just isn't great and i've only had a small sliver of in-person work is the fact that most of this stuff is remote and with these kids not in school it's really tough um it is and i work in i i I help sort of the behavioral kids in school that's sort of my job as the teacher i have those classes Mm. and these kids you know they'll come from all walks of life dealing with all sorts of things that I never would ever be able to sympathize with because I never went through all while while having to go on your phones and your computers and try to learn something for six seven hours a day, like that's draining. And I want I go at the mentorship I do in the studio the same way I do there. It's just the product that comes out is not necessarily what I hope for, and it's sad. And that's really Mm -hmm. what what sucks so i hope that the vaccines can keep rolling out and people can keep taking them i'll be first in line to take it because not only am i a teacher i just want to be on tour in a year like i think i'm gonna be out of here you know that's my envisionment so that's why i hope that we can be able to do and get to shows and stuff like that but i just really want the kids as Of tomorrow, the generation of tomorrow to be back in school and learning and just having that in-person connection is so important for these kids, especially the kids that I'm, you know, working with on a daily basis.
1: Well, yeah, those kids, especially the ones that really need those extra services, they're the ones that I mean. Again, I think every kid right now, student athlete, they're all missing out on a lot of different things, and it's and it's sad. You know what I mean? Like picture missing out on your complete senior year of high school. You know what I mean? Like look back to those moments and being remote through them. It's it's hard and it's hard for teachers as well. I mean, it's hard to keep the engagement on a screen. I mean, it's just, it's just, just this is reality of the situation, but you know, at the same, you know, on the breath too, it's like, you know, can we still try to make some kind of connection with them? And that's, and that's the goal obviously. And, and, but yeah, you're right. Like it is that much easier to do it in person. You seems like, I don't know, you seem like somebody that would be, a lot more, like, just the energy in person. Maybe it's a little bit more yeah. motivational. And, <laughs>
2: and, you know, the thing that I'm grateful for is I really got put in this position with no prior, like, my mother is a principal, but, like, okay. she's not the principal of the school that I am working at, but she helped me get the job. And I, I moved back from Atlanta and was sort of working in ABA, so I had, like, a few months working with that, and I liked it, but I didn't expect to like teaching, you know, being – the son of a teacher it's like yeah I don't really want to do that but I actually really do um enjoy it and I think I'm one of those people that comes into I really wish I could be performative and I really wish I could do energy but the response I've been getting from parents has been really great for me especially someone who's a first year so I really can't thank my students and their parents enough for sympathizing with me and also a lot of these teachers are very very stressed for among, you know, a lot of other reasons. I have a more enlightened load than a lot of my colleagues, but they're just stressed because they're used to in person. I'm yep. not. So yep. I think I, I'm gonna be more stressed if I keep teaching, you know, when we're back, because I'm not really, really gonna know how to deal with twenty kids at one that time. That is
1: true. That is true. Yeah, no, you're right, because the the transition this year you know essentially saying like trying to transition all of your materials all the ways in which that you teach like certain strategies like again like any kind of group work or like I'm a big guy I love Socratic seminars that's like one of my big things since I teach English I love doing those and and I think that it helps some of the kids that you know aren't as strong of writers or aren't as confident as writers but they speak very well like it kind of gives them an opportunity to in class have that and and again that 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 gets lost, and it's hard on a screen. And the other thing too with with the Zoom or you know Google Meet, whatever the heck you're using, but you know some kids don't necessarily want their teacher or you know whoever into their like bedroom. You know what I mean? Or maybe the you know the pe- the home situation isn't ideal for. You know their siblings and their parents to all be working from home and that can be another like
2: anxiety yeah the turning thing. on the cameras battle has been probably like the hardest thing that i've had to deal with and unfortunately i've given up uh, you know and i think the peers have you know administration has to what can you do it's like how many battles can you fight we're just trying to get these kids to pass i, exactly. I like if you're passing and you do have your cameras off then like i really don't care at this point you know mm. i just want you to succeed
1: agreed I agree I, I think the that it, it's a tough situation because obviously you want to see them like it's hard even for me like I, I same thing like if I have a screen full of just little you know thumbnails it's like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah it sucks yeah it kind of sucks but at the same time like you you referenced this a little earlier it's like we don't really know what our students go through on a daily basis, right? And depending yeah. upon where you teach, like I used to teach in the city in Boston, so I, right outside the city, so I had that perspective of like, you know, like just different things that they go through on a daily basis and, and you know, some of these kids going right to work right after school, they're working till late, they're working late hours just to, you know, some of these kids going home, not having heat during the winter, like just, just crazy, crazy. Coming back, even the school I would teach at um, years ago, the kids were coming back for dinner. Like that's because they couldn't get a hot meal at home. And it's just, and it, it's it's sad. And like, I mean, I work in a suburb now. It's a little bit, di- I think overall it's a little bit different, but there's still some of those issues. We, we're still having a lot of mental health problems. And again, you talked about a little bit earlier too. It's like this situation is not helping that whatsoever. No. Like even anybody that already had those issues that were just struggling, just getting by with those, isolate yourself, putting it, and then, you know, lose motivation for your schoolwork and then the grades tank. And then there's no, you know, positive reinforcement there. It's, it's, it's a, it's a downward spiral. Man. And
2: I, and I try to be, I'm like, look, you can talk to me about like, as you know, as you said, as you've heard of my music at this point, like I want anybody to talk to me about anything at the end of the day. Like I can deal with it. Like I've I've been through, I've been through hell and high water. So I want these kids to talk to me like, look, like what's going on? Like, I'm not going to say anything. Like, this is confidential, whatever. But then they don't want to be in a computer for another 15 minutes lamenting about whatever problems that they're having to their right. you know young teacher they really don't want to do that so mm-hmm. it's it's a battle i just praying you know september 2021 all the kids back
1: <laughs> i know same because i think this year it just what it's, what it's come to at this point, it's hard, man. It's hard for, it's hard on the teachers. It's hard on the kids, you know, granted it's, it's even harder than the administration. And, you know, again, making these decisions are probably not easy. And, you know, I, you know, again, it's, it's, it's just, it's just not an ideal situation. Especially
2: with, especially with MCAS and, you know, APs just just like, forget it. Yeah.
1: I mean even yeah even for me coaching right now it's hard man like we're playing we're playing some semblance of a basketball season but it's not the same man there's no fans in the stands you know the kids got to wear the masks. It's it, 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 I mean I understand why obviously. I mean you you had covid so I'm sure you are pretty aware of the you know yeah. how serious it could be potentially right and I understand all of that but at the same time I think I've been saying this for a little bit now I think and I, I'm not the only one but I think we are on the verge of a mental health crisis in this in this country really, you know, yeah. after the, with the aftermath of this yeah. um, and it's something you like and you've talked about it on this episode and in your music and I've talked about it on this show many times. I I've had my fair share of that. I, I would agree with you in the sense that I didn't really quite understand it up until probably, I think I was going through it when I was in my teens just and and then even when I was a little bit younger than that, just based upon what I was going through in my life and, you know, I don't think I really understood what it was though, until I was like in my early twenties and my twenties have just kind of been really honestly, how do I navigate this and how do I cope with it? I guess, I mean, that's something where everybody's at, but maybe that's a question for you too. Like, you know, someone that obviously is dealing deals with mental health. I mean, that's a lot of people right now. What are some ways that you, you know, cope with mental health and what, what helps you to sort of, you know, kind of get out of the, some of those ruts we could all potentially be in.
2: For me, it's so much harder, like, because I just come to the studio and just sing. Like, that's my therapy, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, In the reality music video, you can see me, like, at the therapist's office. Um, So that's sort of my my point of it. The one thing that I can say, if anybody is watching this, for anybody who's doing mental health, I know it's so cliché. And I know it sucks, but like it does get better. You know, I was I moved to Atlanta because I was having the worst time of my life when I graduated college. Right. I was in a shitty job. I did insurance and I hated it because insurance is a scam. Okay, personal insurance is a scam. And I got out of a relationship that my only relationship I had ever been in. It was it affected me greatly, and I didn't really know it affected me greatly until after, like long after. Um, and I went, you know, saw multiple friends, you know, go through stuff. You can hear all about it in the song "Reality," and you can hear about that stuff. And I was working a year ago. Uh, today's in this sometime in February. A year ago, I stopped working my 34th day in a row after working 34 days in a row with no break and I was miserable and I was living like essentially in garbage. It was like I would go and wake up and just eat on whatever table and go to sleep and I was living in a house, point being, I didn't know that things were going to get better. And then I came home and we're in a pandemic and my life got immensely better. And I got immensely better at music, and I lost weight, and I did all these things to, to do. But it, it does eventually get better. But the one thing that you can't do is make a decision that's going to affect something for the rest of your life, like I did at a young age. Saying stuff that you don't mean, doing things you don't mean, partaking in things you shouldn't partake in. Um, it, it, it causes people around you. People love you, you know? you know and if any and if anybody doesn't love you I do so like and I don't even need to know you so the point of it is is you really have to understand that it's a whole battle of roller coasters it, it can't be easy I went on a four year stint of bullshit and I made my album anomaly and the minute I dropped anomaly I was the happiest I've been and I've been on an absolute tear you know and maybe 2 years from now I'll have a sinking period You know, but right now I'm killing it. And I wouldn't know if I, you know, when I was 12, I wouldn't know I'd be killing it at 24. When I was a year ago in Atlanta, I didn't know I'd be back home killing it. I thought I was going to be down there killing it. And it just didn't work. But I pushed through and I worked my ass off. And you just have to work your ass off at whatever you're trying to do. You know, you can work out, do all these different hobbies, find a passion. Or if you don't have a passion, I don't know. I would write things down and don't write anything mean down, but just write about what you're feeling and, you know, throw it away and just think of it as a momentous. I can go on and on, but I don't really have the answer because I just sing into this and make something on there. And Mm -hmm. the minute the song's done, my problems go away for a time being until I got to have a new problem to make a song out of. So it's hard for me to say that, but I just want people to know, my fans, your fans, and the viewers all around that y'all matter. You're here for a reason and you're not supposed to take, you know, matters into your own hands. That's for the heavens or whatever you believe in to decide. I think that's incredibly, incredibly well said. Thank you so much for that. And
1: and I think again, it's just something that we all need to hear right now. And that, yeah, like, you know, people do care about you. If you don't think someone does some, someone out there definitely does and, you know, get the help that you think you need. If you think you need it, you know, I mean, I, again, just to share a little bit too, like I was in a similar position when I was in college. I was very overweight. Um, you know, I stopped playing basketball. Basketball is my life as growing up as a kid, uh, high school, college, even early college years, stopped playing playing in college and, you know, just, just put on, a, a, you know, pound, pounds and I was just, you know, I was drinking all the time. I was eating like crap. I just wasn't happy. My sleep schedule was off and I was just miserable. I was really, really just, you know, going through it. And having these panic attacks weekly, like it was just, it was horrible. And until I finally told myself that I needed to write the ship, I, you know, I got the help I needed, I saw, started, you know, seeing a therapist. And I think that, you know, things like that, I think they're so taboo now. I don't think they're as taboo as they were maybe five, 10 years ago, but, you know, I think it's starting to become a little more mainstream and like, exceptionally socially acceptable where it's like, yeah, I see a therapist, like, so friggin' what, I think there's immense value in that just because there's somebody out there that, you know, doesn't have a bias to your life and that's trying to give you just unbiased perspective and, it's and that whole hour is about you. Yeah, yeah. And I think for you, in a sense, you have you have your music where you can kind of channel all that into it and that microphone is unbiased, right? It's gonna take whatever you say in no matter what, so.
2: Yeah, you know. and I've been, you know, I've, there's been times, I mean, I had a traumatic event uh, happen to me when I was 20. Like, cause that triggered the trauma for my childhood I'll just put put it that way it was, I almost I almost didn't survive put it that way I was in a bad position I didn't do anything to myself but I won't get into it too much but um, I saw a therapist again you know one time like even if it's one time I was on the I was on my phone with my boy and it, like so many of his friends died you know I live in a, you know I live in the suburbs I have a really privileged life like My parents are happily married. They've been together for 30 years. I have a great sister. You know, I have great friends. I have a roof over my head at 24. I can live in my parents. You know, this is, my parents made me this basement, got new carpets, the TV, everything, for me to run a business and not have to pay rent, you know. But there's people in situations that don't have that, that have to go out into the streets and sell whatever they got to sell to make the money that they got to make. And um, that can get you in bad positions. I was telling my boy, Uh, a few of his friends passed away from sort of violence and things like that and other related things. And he he was just like, I don't know what to do. I can't deal with this. And I was like, you just need to go to a therapist, man, like once. You know, like I can sit here and have a conversation as if I'm a therapist to you, but like that's not going to have much of effect, you know, as someone with a PhD that can really pick your brain that's unbiased because I know you, so there's some bias these people don't know you and they're paid not to know you. They're paid to know the man that walks in the door, the woman that walks, the person that walks in the door and the person that walks out. Hopefully they can change their lives for the better or for the time being and give them the coping mechanisms to survive in life.
1: Well, that's the big thing, right? The coping mechanisms. I mean, like that's again, just for like, you know, eating the right way, just having a proper some type of a proper workout reg- regimen or whether it's just something sim- like simple like stretching every day like I, my, my lifestyle is kind of crazy right now and i don't have a ton of time to work out lately like just with basketball school this podcast but one thing i do make a lot of time for every day is to stretch and just meditate really and that's been and and then honestly too the weird, weirdly enough what's been helping me the last i'd say a couple of weeks or i would roughly is i've been trying to get better about reading every night even if it's just a chapter of a book like and whatever it is, whether it's you know a book on like right now I'm reading Born a Crime by Trevor Noah and that's really been interesting for me to to read. But like I love whether Trevor, it's a novel, he's dope. oh he's great, he's great. I yeah. love him. Him and uh, I love um, Hassan Minhaj too. His, uh, his oh yeah, he's yep. fantastic. The Patriot Act, all that. Those guys are great. But it just in, in things like that, like just just anything that can kind of help spur you know you know your you know creative mind or just kind of get deeper into you know your thoughts and just 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 to kind of put yourself a little bit at ease. like i mean i weirdly enough like meditating is hard it's something that takes a lot of practice like i've had to practice it i'm definitely not a master at it by any stretch but it, it's a very helpful i think when i'm able to do get into that you know that headspace and and do it so again whatever that is for you right and i mean i'm not you know obviously we're not uh we don't have PhDs in this either. It's not like we, we have all the answers, of course. And I didn't mean to ask you the question as if to say that, you know, you had all the answers or I did. Oh, no, I'm not saying no. <laughs> that. I'm fe- feel no. free to
2: get my advice, but also feel free to get professional help. Cause I'm absolutely, not a
1: professional. Absolutely. No, no, me neither. But yeah, I guess the whole point of this is just, yeah, seek the help if you need it, but also at the same time, like, you know, find the things that give you fulfillment, things that put you at ease, surround yourself with the people that, yeah, just really are going to uplift you rather than than bring you down. And I, again, I, I just again want to commend you because it seems as though you've found that circle, you've found those people in your life that have kind of put you on this path to stability, which is now leading to the success that it is. Mm-hmm. And really, I think you know, out of all this, I think you know you've funneled it into your music, and that's and that's really the most important thing. So, guys, make sure you go stream reality. I think it'll give everybody a really great perspective. Uh, You know, regardless of whether you've been through, we're going to link that obviously in the description with the music video as well. We got Anomaly also linked in the description too. You heard a snippet from the music video. You heard a snippet earlier from reality. So make sure you go run those streams up for sure for DK, show this man some love. And obviously check out Lil Step's Relativity Project as well as Kudo's latest album as well. Make sure you guys go check all those out, stream them throughout on all streaming platforms. DK, you're not quite done yet. This has been a phenomenal episode. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been been great. I love we, it. Of course, of course, we have our final question. Okay. It's the it's the dream song scenario. And I will break it down for you. Okay. You get a song. You can make this song with anybody, dead or alive, any artist. All right. You get a verse. You get two guest verses. You get somebody to do the hook. And you also get a producer who is producing. Now, you can get a couple of different producers if you want. Like, if you want a specific mel- melody from one producer, maybe some drums from another, for example. But you can kind of get creative with there. But again, your dream song. Take as much time as you need. Who is going to be on DK's dream song scenario?
2: I think the the dream song scenario would probably be sort of Frank Ocean on the hook. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, another person that I think, as far as like a guest verse, I think F- Frank is like an. Uh, I think Frank and The Weekend would definitely mm-hmm. be two people that I'd want to do that, and I would definitely do some sort of like high melt. Like I would probably really, it would probably be something where I'd do where my where my voice, where I switch from low to falsetto. I'd probably do a lot of that. Um Honestly, I would probably have Rick Rubin as a producer on that. Fantastic, Um, Because (laughs) he acts sort of like an exec producer in a lot of ways, I feel like. Mm, Um, And I would love to sort of like be on the beat as well because that's just who I am. Um, But yeah, I think that would be cool to just be in a place where I could just have a song where I could just belt, you know, with those guys and having Rick Rubin and me and them sort of comment on the production and the engineering and sort of incorporate that all together. I think that would probably be that that would probably be like the number one hit, in my opinion. That just that sounds to me just like a complete showcase
1: of vocal range and things like that. Like The Weeknd had my number one album from last year with my my graduation 2020. Just to spoil that if no one's uh, checked those episodes out. But uh, that's that's how much I loved uh after hours and and just such a big fan big fan of we, the weekend and phoenix the uh, episode the phoenix and i just uh just dropped as well we, we're really looking forward to some frank ocean so hey maybe make that happen bro dk featuring frank ocean the weekend produced by executive produced by rick rubin i hope i think it, it, just just the weekend and uh just frank ocean on his track alone i, I don't see how that doesn't go number one and then, yeah of course add in add in rick rubin and yourself hell of a track, man. Yeah. I like it. Very good. Awesome. DK, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. DK, this was a really fantastic episode. Thanks so much for coming through. You are officially a Turntable Teachers alumni. And uh, let the people
2: know where they can find you. Socials, all that stuff. Plug away. So, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at underscore D with one, two, three, four, five Ks at the end on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Facebook.com slash DK Music 413 on TikTok at DK Music 413. You can also find me at SoundCloud.com slash DK Music 413. And you can find me on YouTube under DK Music. I would search DK Music Anomaly or DK Music Reality if you're trying to find uh, the string of YouTube videos. That's probably the best for you. And that is all my socials. And for all inquiries, you can hit up uh, at IC Will Management and IC Williamson on Instagram and Twitter for all inquiries. Love it, man. And again, we'll link everything else too in the description for
1: sure. So make sure you guys go run up anomaly reality and everything that DK is working on and we will be definitely plugging away whatever else you got coming in the works for 21 and beyond DK. So thank you so much for being here, man. This was a great episode. And of course, if you're a fan of DK just coming on to us for the first time, give us a follow at turntable teachers on Instagram, check out our website www.turntableteachers.com got a lot of new interesting very cool blogs that are going to be coming up there in the in the very near future and that just came out as well uh be on the lookout for potentially a merch giveaway in the very very near future and of course make sure you subscribe to our podcast streaming services or our youtube or both both would be great too but wherever you listen to podcasts or if you uh, you listen or if you watch the podcast on youtube be sure to smash that subscribe button dk once again thank you so much for an incredible episode And uh, we look forward to checking in with you again very soon. Awesome. And without further ado, I am Mike. This is DK with the Turntable Teachers, and class is officially dismissed.